Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Get your Bibles out. Let me kind of give you a head start on where to go. Now, we're going to look at some verses uh, before we get to this one, but I'm just going to mention them in passing. This one we're going to actually turn to in just a moment, not, not, not right now, but I want to give you a head start. Get your uh, Bible on your telephone, or some of you have a real Bible that you can turn to. There's all different kind of Bibles now, digital Bibles. But uh, go to St. John chapter 5, and I want to share with you uh, this morning on what I call prophetic evangelism. Prophetic evangelism. Could we say that together? Prophetic event. I didn't say pathetic. See, a lot of people have pathetic evangelism. We want to talk about prophetic evangelism. And really, there's all different kinds of evangelism. And I'm going to kind of give you a list here to jot down just to kind of paint the picture of what evangelism is. What is evangelism? Evangelism is reaching others for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And that can come in all different forms. You know, it's not necessarily always praying what we would call the sinner's prayer, prayer of repentance with them. You may not get that far. It could be just something like acknowledging the Lord. How many of you realize that sometimes just acknowledging the Lord in the presence of somebody is a testimony? And that can be a way to witness. And so there's different levels, I guess you would say, of evangelism. I think we should always hope and pray for a decision on the part of that person, but maybe they're not ready for it. And so you've got to be led by the Spirit. Everybody say led by the Spirit. And I've, I myself have participated in all kinds of evangelism. And let me give you kind of a list here before we get started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize this whole area of evangelism in three categories. And I encourage you to write these down. And I'm going to give you some verses, though, as I say, we'll not turn there. You may want to jot the reference down, and we'll put that up on the screen. But the first category is what I would call mass evangelism. Mass evangelism. What would mass evangelism be? Mass evangelism would be anything that deals with a group or a crowd. And so we see an example of this, and the example that I'll give you, but again, we won't turn there for the sake of time, would be Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 42. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost, it says Peter stood up and he began to, to speak to the whole crowd that was there. There were thousands of people there on the day of Pentecost. And so it could be a mass crowd. It could be a church service. It could be sharing with people by internet, but when we talk about mass evangelism, we're talking about more than one or a group, and it can come in all forms. Now, I've done a lot of mass evangelism in my life. I've uh, preached all through the Philippines, the southern part of the Philippines. What we would do is during the daytime, we would have leadership conferences, and we'd bring in pastors and their wives, the leaders of the churches in that area, and we would teach them on leadership principles. Uh, that was during the daytime. But then at night, we would go to a location that had like a square, kind of like, I think we're familiar with like the downtown area of Ackworth or uh, Marietta or Kennesaw. And, and these were little villages, I guess, not huge cities. And we would have what we would call a campaign. I'd have music. 
Music would attract people. How many of you know music attracts people that maybe preaching wouldn't attract people? So we'd all, always start off with music, kind of a contemporary, upbeat, you know, Christian-type music. And uh, people would come and gather a crowd, and then I'd stand up and I'd, I would share the word. And we had people that would come to Christ that way. And then out of that would start churches. So I know how to do mass evangelism on that level. Now, I'm not talking about like Billy Graham style mass evangelism where you fill up a whole stadium, but some people are anointed to do that. And so there's that level. Let me give you the second one. The second one is what I would call one-on-one -on -one canvassing. And I'll explain that. One-on-one -on -one canvassing type of evangelism. And a good passage for that is Acts 8, verse 4. And it says that when the people were scattered, do you remember there was some persecution in Jerusalem? It says the people that were scattered went about everywhere preaching and sharing the gospel with whoever they would run into. So one-on-one -on -one canvassing is different than mass evangelism, and that's just what it says. It's one-on-one. -on -one. You share with people individually or maybe a couple or three, but you're not dealing with a big crowd. And it could even involve canvassing. Now, what do I mean by canvassing? So I've been a part of door-to-door -door evangelism where you knock on doors and you share with people. That's pretty, pretty tough. That's like, that's like uh, a salesperson doing cold call selling. That's hard. And you get all different kind of response. I've been rejected. I've been spit on. I've been pushed away. I remember I shared with some Hell's Angels, just walked up to them and just started sharing. And they weren't quite as excited about the message at that time as I was. And, but I got away with my life. Somebody say amen. But, you know, I'm, I'm fearless when it comes to evangelism. It, it doesn't bother me if I get rejected or pushed away because I know the word will not return void. But you know that you're not really, at, and when you're doing canvassing, and also I've, I've done, uh, like with Campus Crusade, I was a part of Campus Crusade uh, uh, in my first couple of years of college, and we used something called a religious survey. And that's really a cool tool. A, t a lot of people respond to a survey, and so you would basically knock on the dormitory door, and you would say, hey, we're doing a religious survey. Could you answer a few questions? Sometimes you just have people say, no, it's not good time, or they get mad. But a lot of people say, okay, what is it? And you go through the survey, and it's just an icebreaker to start talking to them about Jesus. And I led a lot of people to the Lord. I mean, I led uh, dozens, dozens upon dozens of people to the Lord during canvassing. But you know, you're not, you're not quite being led by the Spirit as much as you are just sowing the Word. And I want you to see that there's a place for both. You know, it's not one is better than the other. I think that the word, because the word has power, if you share the word of God with somebody while you're pumping gas and they're on the other side of the gas thing and, and, and the Lord opens the door and you get to kind of share with them, that, is, that can be a powerful change in somebody's life. I mean, guys, we get so used to this stuff that we forget how people that don't know the Lord, how shocking it is when you start talking about the Holy Spirit this and Jesus that, and they're kind of like, wow, okay, you know, because we're used to it but it'll catch their attention. So there's mass evangelism, there's one-on-one, -on -one, and then this third area, and this is where I'm, we're gonna camp out, is what I would call prophetic evangelism. Prophetic evangelism. Well, now, what is prophetic evangelism? This is where the Holy Spirit is specifically leading you in an encounter. Now, you'd say, well, we want the Holy Spirit to lead us in all the encounters. Well, let me put it to you this way, and I love this. I love this T-shirt right here, um, on the front row, it says, God empowers me. 
I love that. Man, I was, we were worshiping. I looked over and I said, I want that t-shirt. <laughs> but it says, God empowers me. So when, when we are sharing, whether it's mass evangelism or one-on-one -on -one canvassing or door-to-door -door or whatever, or even in prophetic, we want the Holy Spirit to empower us, right? But there are, there is this, this, this um, realm where the Holy Spirit speaks to you specifically, and it's a divine moment, what I would call a divine moment, a divine encounter, and you can sense it in your heart, and you better obey. Everybody say, I need to obey. Now, you know, if we waited to share Christ until we had this, you know, prophetic moment every time, then we wouldn't be doing a lot of witnessing. So, so, so this isn't like, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily the norm. You may be sowing a lot of seed, doing one-on-one -on -one here, and all of a sudden, here comes a prophetic moment, you know, a time uh, to, that the Holy Spirit is specifically leading you. And we're going to look at this story in a moment. We won't turn there right now, but... Uh, we're going to look at a story where Jesus did this, but the, the reference we've got up on the overhead here is Acts chapter 8. Do you remember how Philip was led to the desert? Does anybody remember that story? Philip was led down into the desert and, and, and waited on one guy to come by. Do you remember that? It says there was a, a eunuch in the chariot that came by, and he was on his way back to Africa, Ethiopia, and so Philip waits on this guy. Now, folks, let me just ask you this. How would you like to be the one person who's called to the desert? Hallelujah. Desert ministries for Jesus. People say, what's your ministry? Well, my ministry is I go to the desert. That's a hard sell right there. Would you support my ministry called desert ministries? It's like we all want to say like, yes, I spoke on the day of Pentecost to 3,000 people. Well, praise God. And then many came to Christ. We'd love to say that. Or, you know, there's a blind person healed. But nobody wants to say, like, I go to the desert, and I wait for one guy to show up. And so, but you know what? That was a, that was a prophetic moment, a prophetic evangelism. And it says that, you remember, here comes this chariot with this, this important guy from Ethiopia in the back. He gets saved. Uh, he gets baptized. And history tells us, now this, isn't, this part isn't in the Bible, but if you do the research, it says this guy went back to Ethiopia and there, there was a revival through him. How many of you know that it's not so important that you reach how many you reach now, it's who they're going to end up reaching? Listen, if you can just win one Billy Graham, think about that. If you, if you, can, just, if you can just reach one TDJ, think about this. And, the, and the, the ripple effect, the domino effect that it'll have. So, you know, don't be thinking in terms of like, well, I'm not significant unless I have, you know, some big wow testimony. No, my testimony was on the desert and, you know, the chariot had to stop and get air in his tires or whatever they did back in those days, you know. And I, and I witnessed to him. I don't really know how he stopped him. That, you know, we're not, we, we're not told all the details, but it was a prophetic moment. Are you getting this? Now, let's go to St. John chapter 5 and just read a couple of verses about this, this realm of being led by the Spirit. How many of you want to be led by the Spirit more and more in your life? I know I do. You know, I don't, I don't think you ever get so uh, old in the Lord or mature in the Lord or however you want to put that, that you quit, that you stop saying, I want to improve, you know, in 
the realm of being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, that should be our desire from the time we wake up every day as Lord, okay, I've got things on my to-do list, but this is your day. And if you want to lead me or, or guide me or interrupt my day, then I want to help me to flow with you. But it says in John chapter 5, and let's go to verses 19 and 20. And uh, this won't be on the overhead, so you'll have to kind of follow either in your Bible or look on with somebody. But in John chapter 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Now, that's, a, that's an amazing statement. Jesus is saying, I can't do anything of myself. If somebody came to me and says, Jesus can't do anything, brother, that's fighting words. That's fighting words. Like, well, draw the line right there. You just said, what about Jesus? He can't do anything of himself. Okay, put him up, put him up, put him up. But Jesus himself said, I can't do anything uh, by myself. And what he's saying here is I am being led by what the Father shows me. Are you getting this? And so it's a good thing for us to say, I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. You can't get any more mature than that. You can't get any deeper than that. He's the vine and I'm, I'm just a branch. I need the sap. I need the juices. I need the nutrient. Without that abiding relationship, I'm just going to wither. I can't, but he can. That's what Jesus was saying. He goes on and he says, look at verse 19, but what he sees the Father do, for what things where the Father does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and showeth him all things that he does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So basically, Jesus was saying, what you see me do, and everybody's like, wow, they got the wow factor, you know? Wow, Jesus raised the dead. He's saying, the Father showed me when to go to the home of Lazarus. Do you remember that story of the first Martha and Mary saying, come, 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 you know, he's sick, he's, he's going to die if you don't come, and Jesus said, no, I'm not coming. Do you remember that? That's kind of cruel. I'm busy. But Jesus didn't go at that moment because he wasn't being shown to go at that moment. Later, he said, I'm going to wait for this guy to die because it's going to bring glory to God when he's raised from the dead. Well, you know, that's not really good words if it's your loved one that's sick. Are you hearing me? I mean, a little room for getting mad at Jesus. Like, Jesus, how dare you? You let him die. And Jesus said, no, this is going to be for the, the glory of the Father. But what I'm, I'm, I want you to see is that there's times where we have to be so tuned in that we know when to go, when to wait. Are you getting this? When to go, when to wait. And I'm tying this into evangelism. So I am not saying that every time you evangelize, this is going to happen. I'm just saying this is a realm that you need to be alert to, that there are times where the Holy Spirit will just directly lead you and in my life, I don't know about your life, in my life, I can, I can sense like my heart starts kind of beating a little faster and it's like an impression. I don't know how to really verbalize this, but it's more like a, it's an impression. I have a sense of urgency. I have to do this. And if I don't do this, then I feel like I'm in disobedience. 
And it's the kind of thing that kind of will, will bother you. Like if you wait, it just keeps coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. Then I know I need to take action and do it. And so that's one way that you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, turn the page, just one, one page. Go to chapter 4, St. John chapter 4, verse 1. Now, this is where we're going to camp out for the rest of, of this morning's message. This is a lengthy chapter, okay? So you can see on the overhead, it's got like 42 verses. But it's a cool story. And we're going to read a lot of these verses. We probably won't read them all. But let me just give you the, the, the kind of the background. Jesus and the disciples have left one region, and they've gone into a region that's uh, not like, it's like not their home turf, and I want you to understand the background here. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And you're going to see this come out in the story because Jesus is witnessing to a woman at the well. Do you remember the story where Jesus is witnessing to the woman at the well? And she's getting all defensive and she's getting all, you know, well, we worship here and you worship there. And she, her eyes are totally in the natural. And Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. So why did you ask me to get water for you? And you know what? You can apply this in today's time. And whatever prejudice you want to talk about, you'll see it in this story. The Jews and the Samaritans were prejudiced against each other. Religiously culturally, ethically, they, they, were just, they, they were opposed to each other. And you know, there's, you can apply this uh, to people that are prejudiced, whether it's white and black, or whether it's American versus Russian, or whether it's the British versus the Indian, how the, the people in India were so mistreated by the British Empire. I don't know if you know your history, but you got to realize that this whole thing of being prejudiced is not an American phenomenon. It's a satanic phenomenon that's worldwide. I said it's worldwide. And you can go to India, and even in India, there's something called the caste system where one group looks down on the other, and, and, and they treat each other horribly. And so in this story, I want you to see that Jesus is bucking the traditions. In fact, it, it was not permitted for a rabbi to talk to a woman by himself. It, it was anathema. You, like you're, you're breaking the code if you talk to a woman in public by yourself. And Jesus is breaking all these traditions. He's, he's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan. He's, he's talking to her about the, the, the things that really matter. And she's got all of her defenses up. You're going to see this in a minute. She's got all her defenses. Oh, I'm a Samaritan. Who are you talking to me? Well, we worship in this hill. You worship in Jerusalem. We worship down here. You know, we're in the north. You're in the south. I mean, all this stuff going on. And Jesus is like, I don't really care about that. I'm focusing in on eternal things. Amen? And, and, and let me just say this. When you start crossing these, these prejudicial barriers, whether it's uh, color or culture or nationality, you know, Whatever it is, you just have to ignore. You can't get hung up on all the, the defenses. You've got to, if you'll just stand your ground and stick to what you know in God, you're going to come out the winner. Like when I was talking to the hell's angels, I don't got to go become a hell's angel in order to relate to hell's angels. Are you getting this? 
You know, and, 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 and so I wasn't on their turf. I didn't look like them, and I didn't have a cycle and all this kind of stuff, you know. And they kind of looked down. I, I just, ignore, just ignore all that and just talk to them because they need Jesus. Amen. And the point of this is, and then I'll move on, is if you get hung up on, on these other issues, and in our culture today, it's kind of popular to get offended real easy. And if you're going to be the kind of person who gets offended real easy over something, it's going to be hard for you to communicate the love of God to people. And so you got to go out there, not naive, but realizing, hey, in the, this is not a perfect world we live in. There's prejudice. There's people that are unkind. There are people that are criminals. And you've got to go out there standing in the, the, the empowerment of God, just like the T-shirt the says, God empowers me, whether I'm talking to a hell's angel or a Samaritan or someone in India. I mean, in India, I got my butt chased. I was in India having an outdoor crusade, and they just flat out ran us off, tore up our equipment, tore it down because they were. it was a part of India where they were Islamic. And, I mean, they chased us off. You say, well, you didn't have the victory. Yeah, I had the victory. I survived. <laughs> Hallelujah. You read, you read the stories of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he got beat up, whipped, shipwrecked. You know, he kept going. Amen. But if I, if I was like, oh, you know, I don't like anybody from India now because they were, they were mean to me. Come on. Don't you have more love of God in you than that? Are you getting any of this? I spent a lot of time in Cuba because I have family in Cuba. And, you know, I'm the, I, I'm the Anglo guy. When I show up, I'm the Anglo guy. And they look down on me because I'm not Cuban. And some of them, even though I speak Spanish, and I have to admit it's pretty bad, but even though I speak Spanish, they will refuse to communicate with me just because I'm the white Americano. And if I go down there like, oh, I'm, all, I'm all upset because they're being mean to me, and instead of standing strong in the love of God, I won't reach anybody. I hope you're getting this because this is so important. There, there's, there's no way for you to be successful in evangelism if you go out there so easily offended instead of looking in, through all that and you look into the, this heart needs Jesus. This person needs Jesus. And I know Jesus. And the reason they're like they are and the reason they're so unkind is because they do not have the love of God in their lives. But I do, and I'm going to help them find it. Now, I may just be a seed planter and just say a kind word about the Lord, or I may actually lead them to a decision. But God is going to honor his word when we share it with others, whether we cross these different lines or not. Amen? Are you getting this? Now, let's go to John chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to just kind of read a, a good portion of this and make comments as we go. So verse 1, chapter 4, St. John chapter 4, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, you remember John the Baptist? 
though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So I'll just insert, I'm going to go to a hit and run here. I'm just going to hit it and then run on to the rest of the story. But Jesus didn't baptize anybody in water because he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so that's an interesting thought there that Jesus had his disciples do the water baptism because he knew that he was the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And I want you to mark this in verse 4. And he must needs, the, the King James, uh, or the New King James put it this way, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, this is the first indication that Jesus is being led on a specific mission in this case. He had this, it, it doesn't just mean geographically, he had to go through this region to get to where he wanted to go. In the original language there, it's this inner compulsion. Jesus, I got to do this. Are you getting this? I've got to do this. And so the disciples are oblivious to this. The disciples aren't really getting this. And they're kind of like, hey, man, we don't need to. That's not our home turf. We do not need to go down to Samaria. Uh, that is, we're going to get in trouble going down to Samaria. I mean, there's gangs down in Samaria. They beat Jews up. We don't need to be going to Samaria. You know, we ain't homies down there. So we are not going to that region. And Jesus is like, yeah, we're going. Everybody say, okay, Jesus. Everybody say, okay, Jesus. Because he's going to lead you to do some things that your flesh is going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. You're in heaven, I'm down here. Let me just catch up on a few things. <laughs> That's not a good idea because he would, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you need to do it. <laughs> you know? All right, now, verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. So get the picture. There's a well. And it wasn't uncommon in those days that in the center of the, the village, there'd be a well and people would go there to get their water. There was a well there. Uh, being wearied with his journey, he sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Probably they're using the, uh, the Hebrew time clock here, and so that'd be about noon. So get the picture. Jesus is tired. Everybody see Jesus is tired. Now, I think this is an interesting thought because we never think Jesus gets tired. He doesn't now in his glorified body. But when he was on this earth, he operated just like a man, even though he was God come in flesh. He got tired. He got worried. And it, and it, it hurt him when he was whipped. It hurt him when they pierced his side. It hurt him when he was crucified. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. Somebody say amen. So I want you to get this, that Jesus wasn't just like, you know, some superhero going through life. It says he was wearied. So he's sitting on this thing, and he wants some, he wants, he wants some water. Now, let's read the rest of this story. Verse 7, there comes a woman. Everybody say, uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. There comes a woman of Samaria down to draw water. And he says unto her, give me to drink. Now, the next verse gives us an insight into the disciples weren't there. Look at the next verse. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. How many of you know sometimes Jesus has to send the disciples away in order for him to get his will done? Oh, glory. <laughs> Don't be one of those disciples that has to be sent away before Jesus can do his, his work. Somebody say amen. So Jesus had said, Jesus thought to himself like, okay, these guys are not going to be cool with me talking to a woman. Number two, the kind of woman she is. We're going to get that here in a minute. 
and the fact that she's a Samaritan. I'm just going to break all the rules here. So guys, go buy some bread and some fish, dried fish. Go over there and do something. And so they, they, they go away because he knew they were going to be complaining every step of the way. Uh, Master, you're not, don't be talking to a woman like that. He said, okay, go away. So here comes this woman. And uh, Jesus starts the conversation. Would you give me some water? Now, the water Jesus is talking about, we're going to find out, is different than the water she was thinking about. Somebody say amen. And so get the picture. Doesn't matter that she's a Samaritan. Doesn't matter that uh, she's a woman. And it doesn't matter that she's a woman with a messed up life. Somebody say amen. How many of you know all of our lives were messed up before Jesus? And some of us are still getting our lives straightened out. But I mean, we were really messed up before Jesus. And so if you think you're going to be witnessing to perfect people, you're not. Honey, you're not. You're going to be talking to people that have attitude. You're going to be talking to people that have messed up in their life, all kind of defenses. Well, this, well, that, 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 that. Just don't worry about that. Just share the word. Share the word. Share the word. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Goes on and it says, verse 9, and here comes her first defense. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Huh, I'll put you in your place, sir. And now we get a little more understanding. We won't turn there, but how many of you have ever heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Yeah. And so now you understand a little more forceful why that was such a drastic story for Jesus to say, your neighbor is the Samaritan. That'd be like me saying, there was an American and there was, uh, uh, he, he had problems, got beat up, and then came by another American, then came by... Uh, a person from India, then came by a, a, a Russian, and then came by a Chinese. And the, everybody passed this man by except the Chinaman, who was the true neighbor. You see, and so, and so Jesus was, was shocking everybody in his day and time because it was like when he was telling us, he was telling us to the Pharisees, ooh, I can just see them getting so upset. Jesus saying, well, who is really your neighbor? The Samaritan. And they're like... <laughs> They're going to spit. We don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus is saying, uh-uh. It depends on the, on the heart of the person. So look at verse 10. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God. Now, what do you think he's talking about, the gift of God there? Anybody got any ideas? What, somebody help me here. This is not a trick question. What would the gift of God be? Himself, eternal life, Holy Spirit. All of the above. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, talking of himself, that says to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have given him and he would have given thee living water. Now, this is, this is above her pay grade at this point, living water, and she still doesn't get it. But, you know, I want you to get something out of this. When you're witnessing, don't worry that they're not getting it all at once. They're not going to all get it. Because the, these things, the Holy Spirit has to help them understand. And I've witnessed many times, and I could tell that they weren't getting it all. But all it takes is just one little mustard seed of revelation that comes into them, and their life will be changed forever. 
Life will be changed forever. And so he sticks to the main thing. Everybody say the main thing. Everybody say the main thing is living water. So, so you, just, you just stay on course, and they're throwing all this garbage at you and attitude and everything, and you just keep, keep sweet. Stay sweet. Look at your neighbor and say, stay nice. Look at your neighbor and say, stay nice. See? Don't, 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 get, don't fall into their bad attitude. And so he says, uh, verse 11, the woman saith unto him, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence... Then hast thou this living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Now she's wanting to get religious. Are you greater than Jacob, who gave us this well and drank with his children and his cattle? Jesus answered, verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will be in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Now, Jesus is saying, okay, I'm talking about a different kind of water, and it's, it, it, it's not just a, a well that you got to dip down and get it and dip down and get it. This is like an artesian spring. It's, a, it's, it's flowing. I don't know if you've ever seen water just like maybe on a documentary or something on TV, Discovery Channel, where water just shoots out of the side of a mountain or, or it bubbles up out of a, a, a fountain, and it's, it's just natural pressure that's bringing this water up and it just keeps flowing. And so, of course, you know, instead of me having to come over here and dip down and get this water every day at noon, it'd kind of be nice if I could have running water in my house. Thank you. That's kind of what she was saying, like, okay. She's trying to understand living water. How do I get it? You don't got a bucket. Um, where are we going with this? Verse 15, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw it. She's still not getting it. She's saying, okay, well, I really don't want to have to come down in here and work every day, so if you can make running water available to me, I would really appreciate that. Don't, don't get sidetracked. There, she's not understanding it, but just stay on the living water. Just share the living water. He goes on and he says, verse 16, Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. Now, here's where, and, and Pastor Chino and, and Pastor Lydia did a great job on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We just had a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to see these things as separate. The gifts of the Holy Spirit can operate in evangelism. Are you hearing me? I said the gifts of the Holy Spirit can operate in evangelism. And they won't always, but sometimes you're going to get a word for that person that you're ministering to. And it's going to be, there's going to be that moment in time where you're going to think like, I don't know if I should say this or not. And so somewhere in Jesus's heart at that moment, the word husband came into his mind. Husband. Now, he didn't know this lady. So where do you think the word husband came from? Anybody got any ideas? The Father, the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is sitting on the well and he's listening to all these defenses and all of a sudden he gets the word husband. Go call your husband. And let's look at the, the problems that she had in her life. He says, go call thy husband. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. So she's kind of telling the truth and kind of not telling the truth. How many of you know that we all do that? How many of you know that you can not tell a lie, but kind of tell a lie? How do you do that? Well, it's not precisely a lie. 
I got a man living with me, but we ain't married. So he's not my husband. So she thought she would just kind of sidetrack this, this, this question, right? Go call your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said unto her, well, thou hast said accurately, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In this you said truly. Now look, look at the next verse. This is a lot of humor here. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> Amen. Well, finally she's getting the revelation. This guy knows something. I mean, when somebody reads your mail, you kind of you start realizing, wow, there's something going on here. And so there's been many times that I have shared in evangelism, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a campaign, and I have felt in my heart a word, a specific word, and I've given it, and I'm telling you, that's the very thing that just broke through the ice, broke through the ice. I remember I was, uh, get off the subject here, we'll, we'll get back here in just a minute, but I remember, I've got a lot of stories, but I remember uh, in one case I was uh, sharing with a youth group, and they had called me to share with the youth group. Brother, this was the youth group from hell. I mean, this youth group, they all had bad attitudes. They didn't love God. I mean, they were just there because, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend was going to be there. And so when I, I kind of come in naive, you know, it's like, oh, praise God, we're going to have a youth group meeting. Hallelujah. I mean, these were like uh, the kids that would just beat the crap out of you, you know, and not, and not think anything about it. And so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to share the word, and spitballs are going here, and, you know, guys pinching a girl and rolling their eyes, and, and they didn't really want to be there, you know, and they were just waiting for the free time so they could, you know, go uh, connect with their boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that. And so I'm just getting nowhere, man. I'm preaching my heart out, and I'm just getting nowhere, and I was so frustrated. Everybody say he was so frustrated. I know you've never been like that because you guys are saints and everything like that, but I was very frustrated. So I, w I went back to the cabin. It was kind of a rustic uh, retreat area, and I went back to the cabin. I said, okay, Lord, I could have sworn you called me into the ministry, but now I'm really having my doubts about this, and I would really like to leave. And the Lord said, well, leave if you want, but uh, you're going to miss a blessing. I said, well, I haven't missed a blessing yet because it ain't been a blessing. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to go after, this is all happening in, in my heart. He said, I want you to go after Billy. I want you to go after Billy. I'm like, but Billy's the ringleader of the whole group. And there was one guy in this youth group. I remember that he, he kind of had uh, bleached blonde hair. You know, he looked, he looked like a handsome surfer is what he looked like, you know. I mean, the typical blue eyes, muscular, and all the girls were like, oh, Billy, you know. And so, and so Billy was like controlling this whole group. And I said, Lord, I have no idea how to go after Billy. I mean, I, I know I can't beat him up because he's got more muscles than I do. So what do you mean go after him? He said, I want you to give him this word. And the Lord began to speak into my heart this word. I was like, wow, I don't know if I can do that. I do not know if I can do that. He said, if you do, he said, revival is going to break out. I'm like... Golly, I have nothing to lose. So the next meeting, bad Billy was sitting there. He was sitting there controlling the whole group. He was sitting there with an attitude like, you know, I can't wait to get out of here because after I get out of here, I'm going to take a smoke and I'm going to go, you know, find my girlfriend and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he just had a really bad attitude. I went over to him and as kind and as gentle, and now get this, when you're ministering in the gifts of the Spirit, 
you don't have to throw your head back and act like some kind of wild prophet from the wilderness, okay? I know some of you think that in order to give a prophetic word, you've got to act crazy. You don't. I've given prophetic words at the grocery store before. You can just say it in a very casual way. I don't know if this will make sense to you, but I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you. And you just share it with them. It can be that simple. So I said, uh, I feel like I've got a word for Billy. And Billy's eyes, man, he all, of a sudden, he, all of a sudden he was awake. I said, I feel like I got a word for Billy. And his eyes went whoop like that. And I kind of saw him do this, like, like I'm going to pop you if you get any closer. You know? I said, I feel like I got a word for Billy. And I went over and I laid hands on his head. I really thought he was going to take a swing at me. And I began to talk to him about uh, how he had not had a father. He grew up without a father. And that he felt anger because of that. And he felt like he was neglected because of that. And Billy started shaking. I mean, his, his whole body started shaking. Honey, I knew I was on it then. I homed in like a radar, like a, like a you know, heat-seeking missile. I homed in. And, and I know we shouldn't be like that, but there's sometimes you can see a physical response. You're like, I got it. Hallelujah. I knew I was on it. I went in, and I just began to say it with more authority. And, and, and as I started, more, more words came. I was into prophetic evangelism. Billy broke. I'm telling you, he broke right there. And I said, Billy, would you like to commit your life to Jesus? He said, yes, I would. He got saved. I, w I looked at the rest of the crowd, and I said, okay, Billy has made a decision. God has read his mail, and I'm believing for the rest of you. Billy looked around and said, you need to do exactly what I just did. And I'm just like dominoes. We just went around leading the whole group to the Lord. The whole group came to Christ. The worship session started being refreshing instead of a tormenting thing. And before we left there, there had been revival broke out in that group. Now, when I look back, if I hadn't have known, like when I thought I had that word, I said, I thought I had that word. Everybody say, I thought I had that word. There's times you're not 100% sure. Like, I think the Lord is saying to me, go after bad Billy. But I really don't want to go after bad Billy. <laughs> and, 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 and that turmoil, but it kept pressing, it kept pressing, it kept staying, it kept staying. And I'm so glad that I obeyed and I went in there because the Holy Spirit broke loose and revival came. Will you get anything out of this story? And I could just go on. Let's go to some more of this story. Verse 19, and the woman said, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain. Here she goes again, getting religious. You know, we're Methodists, you're Baptists, you know, you're, we're this, we're that. Our, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem, but you shall worship the Father. You worship what you know not, we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshiper shall worship in spirit and in truth, and the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus is staying on the main thing. She's starting to say, you know, well, you know, we don't raise hands in our church. I, I don't know why y'all raise hands in your church. And, you know, we don't sing songs from the overhead. We use hymnals or whatever religious people might say. She's going down that trail again and he just nails it. He just said, look, none of that matters. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And the next verse, 
verse 25, the woman said unto him, now, now here's where she finally has the revelation that he's the Messiah. It says in verse 25, the woman said unto him, I know that when Messiah comes, who is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, now there's very few times that Jesus would just out and out say, I'm the Messiah. And I'll tell you why. Because he wanted there to be faith involved. He wanted people to see his works and see the miracles. And they had to have faith. But in this case, he just said, I'm him. I am the Messiah. And she believed. Jesus said in verse 26, I am that speaketh unto him am, am he. And upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Now, okay, we've been having a great story here. And here comes the disciples with their, you know, they got their bag of, they got their bag of uh, Subway sandwiches or whatever they bought. I don't know what they bought. You know, here they come in and they're like, what? Everybody say, what? What? Jesus is speaking. Jesus is talking to a woman. I thought we knew him. Now he's over there talking to a woman by himself. And, uh, Verse 27, they marveled that he talked with a woman. What seekest thou? Why talkest thou with her? See, they're just getting religious. The woman then left the water pot and went her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Praise God. And you can read the rest of this story. We won't do it. But it says in the rest of the story that the whole city came to Jesus because of this woman's testimony. Now, what I'm telling you is this. Listen to me. You'll never know the domino effect when you just plant the seed. We've got, we've got, a, we've got a, a remarkable opportunity. October 31st, the plus one Sunday for you to invite a friend, invite family. You say, well, what if they don't come? Then it's on them. That's not your fault. You, you do the inviting. And if nobody's coming, you come anyway. We're not saying that, but we try to get people here. Why? Because they can come under the word. And I will tell you this, when Pastor Chino preaches, he puts out the word of God and he leads people to Christ every service. Have you noticed that? He gives an opportunity to receive Christ. You say, well, most of us here are Christians. It don't matter. Just one person. He's got that revelation. If just one person here or on the internet or watching the recorded service at a later time, if just one person makes a commitment to Christ, we don't know that it might lead to a whole city coming to Jesus. Amen. That's why I don't, I don't ever get moved by the size of a crowd, ever. Well, what's the smallest crowd you ever had? I had a crowd once of zero. I was telling Sam about it before the service. My friend Sam, I remember we, we were going to have a campaign up in Nashville, Tennessee. What I did not know is that the radio station forgot to run the ads. And so we had paid prepaid for a ballroom, had my hotel room. We traveled up there. Back in those days, I had an airplane, so we'd flown up there. And you know how much it might cost to fly an airplane got there and there was one person there I say zero there was one person there that showed up to my meeting and brother I preached the word like there was a thousand and then, then after it was over back in those days we had cassette tapes you know but we had these recordings all these beautiful sets in the back on our on our resource table 
and I told her, I said, I want you to go back there and pick out whatever you want. And she goes, well, I don't have any money. I said, no, I'm wanting to give, pick out whatever you want. She walked away with about $300 worth of stuff. And I kept saying, get more, get more. She said, how can you do this? I said, look, I've had a, a zero meeting. I need to plant a seed out of my need. Amen. And so I walked away from there feeling successful. Are you getting anything out of this? You can't measure it by crowds. I've preached in some huge churches, some huge outdoor meetings, and it is fun. It's wonderful. But you can't go by that. You got to go by the word of God will not return void. Now, very quickly, I want to give you some ways to develop what I call developing a listening ear. And this is on the overhead. I see that they put it up there. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. But here are some things that will help you to develop a listening ear. What do I mean by a listening ear? One of Jesus's favorite sayings was, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So we're talking about sensitivity. How many of you want to grow in your sensitivity with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to show you right here how to do that. So if you want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, write this down. You need to be sensitive to something you hear, something you see. I'll explain these in a moment. Something you hear, something you see, something you sense, something you know, or something you say. Many times when the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate to me, I will just hear what the Bible calls the still small voice. I don't, I don't hear, you know, this booming voice echoing, Jason, Jason, Jason. I mean, I'd be great if I heard that, you know, but I've never had that happen. Usually it's just like, and the Holy Spirit just speaks something to me in my, in my heart. So something you hear, something you see. What do we mean by that? There are times the Holy Spirit just gives you a mental picture. Something, you just begin to see something, a mental picture. This just happened to me recently. I was almost home. I'd been to the grocery store. I had frozen food in the back. How many of you know when you got frozen food, you don't want to stop for nothing? Amen. You want to get home, put it up. Now I passed by this guy that his, his car was over to the side and it was there were, it was there was two tires missing not one two and it had fallen down it didn't have a jack under it had fallen down but i saw the guy out there with a cell phone i thought okay he's taking care of it. he's got a cell phone i got to get these groceries home i passed by him and it's not my custom to stop and help everybody especially in this day and time, I'm, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. But as I passed by, I felt, I'm like, hey, Lord, I got frozen food. Come on. I mean, you know, I got frozen food. You would not want me to be a bad steward and have all this stuff go to waste. I said, I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll go home, put it up. So I went home and when I put it up, I thought, and I was having this little conversation in my head. Um, he had a cell phone. He ain't on his own. He's got a cell phone. Okay, Lord, I'm going to go back. So as I was about to walk, he said, grab a cold drink. I'm like, okay, wow. Grab a cold drink out of the fridge, vitamin water, because the guy might be thirsty. I drive back up there. 
there's a friend. Before I even get there, there's a friend. And I'm like, Lord, what did I tell you? He is taken care of. So I don't really understand this. You know, you're messing with me. The Lord said, go over there. So I drove by and I said, hey guys, how you doing? They go, no, we're not doing too good. I said, how in the world did you get two flat tires? He goes, I do not know. He goes, I've been partying all night. And I was trying to get home and I ran over something and I had two flat tires. I was trying to take one off, take the other one off. The whole thing fell down. His friend had brought two new tile, tires, wheel and all. And he got, but we need an extra jack. One jack won't do it. We got to jack up two parts of the car. He said, you got a jack. I said, yeah, I got a jack. So I pulled in and I looked back there. I'd never even looked at my jack before, you know, and I, I, I pulled it out and he goes, that would do it. And so they're over there picking this up and I'm standing there and I'm thinking like, Lord, why am I here? And I just saw this picture. I saw this picture, the Lord of me giving them a testimony and of this guy's life being changed. It's just, just a flash, something you hear, something you see. So I went with it. Everybody say, go with it. See, some of you, you, the Holy Spirit has been already speaking to you. You hear things and you see things and you don't, you don't realize what's happening and you got to learn to act on it. So I said, I know this may sound, this is my, this is my all time favorite lead in. This is my, my famous pickup line for evangelism. Okay. If you want to put it that way is always just say like, uh, you know, this may seem a little strange to you. I always preface it like that. You know, this may seem a little strange to you, but I passed you by a moment ago. He said, I saw you go by. I didn't realize that. And I said, so I had frozen food and I, and I told him the story. And I said, I came back and I said, because I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to come back and help you guys or help you. I didn't know there was going to be guys. I, I knew there was going to be one. I said, I brought one drink. I, 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 would, I said, I'm sorry, I would have brought two, but I, I didn't know that there was going to be two people here. He said, man, I need that. And so they split it. And he said, I thank you so much. And that's when he started telling me we've been partying this and that. And I'm like, you know, you just re you finally get to an age in life where you just don't want to do much partying anymore. And he said, you know what? I was thinking that last night that I'm not even enjoying this party. He said, man, I'm just burned out with parties. He's, I said, yeah, it's just a lot more fun to stay home and watch the football game or something like that. He said, I am done with parties. He started preaching at me, you know. And I said, I said, well, I said, you know, everybody's got to kind of make their own decisions. And I said, but I know in my life, I reached a point where I just found joy in different things. And I started talking about Jesus and this and that. And they were so, of course, they were polite because they had my jack, right? And, and so who knows why they were listening to me, but the word does not return void. Somebody say amen. And did I lead him to Christ? No, I, I did not feel to press for a decision at that point. And I just gave him a witness and I was happy I did it. And I went back and I said, Lord, you know what you're doing. Amen. Quickly, something you sense. Look at the list. Something you hear, something you see, something you sense. I'm trying to verbalize these things to help you understand that there's sometimes you just get a, a sense of what to do. It's not necessarily a picture. It's not necessarily a still small voice. You just sense. The next thing is a no. I just know that I know that I know. Well, how do you know? I don't know. I just know. A knowing will come to you. 
And then the other thing is something you say. There's times that as you're praying, you'll just find yourself, you'll start listening to yourself and realize there's more talking here than me. There, the, God's speaking out of my own mouth. And some of you need to learn how to, th this, by the way, will help you learn to, to release prophecy in your life. All of, these, all of these things I've just shared with you are going to help you release all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'm tying it into evangelism because this is prophetic evangelism. But in your life, you're going to find that the way that sometimes you'll just say something out of your own mouth and you'll listen to that and you'll go like, that was God. Everybody say, that was God. And so you need to listen. Or it could come out of somebody else's mouth. And I'll finish with this story and then we're going to be through. I remember my dad, before he became a Christian, he was an alcoholic. He's a pretty rough guy. And, and I don't want to make it sound like he was a homeless person. He was, how many of you know there's a lot of successful people that are messed up? He was a lawyer, lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, but he was messed up. And one night he stuck a gun in my mouth and he said, I'm going to blow your brains out. You sorry. That's how I grew up. Yes. When he was drunk. Now, when he wasn't drinking, he was a wonderful guy. But the sad thing about alcoholism or drug abuse is that people will be unkind and they, can't, they don't even remember the next day what they did to apologize. Yet they've traumatized everybody around them. But I remember one night my dad was on a drunk and I was trying to make a decision and I went in and I said, you know, Dad, I don't, I don't know which one of these schools to go to. I was, I was thinking about Asbury Seminary versus Oral Roberts University. And uh, my dad, you know, he didn't know a whole lot. He, he knew that I prayed in tongues and I believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to say it like, I'm not trying to be un... Uh, I'm not trying to be ugly here, but I'm just going to say it like my dad said it. He said, well, hell, son, I know the decision to make. Now, he was drunk. I'm like, okay, dad, what? Kind of had that attitude. How many of you how many of you ever had an attitude towards your parents like, oh, yeah, right. And I had that attitude. I had this kind of proud attitude at the time. And he said, hell, son, I know what you ought to do. I said, what, dad? He said, the way I see it, you believe in speaking in them tongues. And old Roberts University believes in them tongues. That's where you ought to go. And as soon as he said it, I heard God. <laughs> I mean, that thing went inside me and I was like, well, why should it surprise you? God spoke out of the mouth of a donkey, didn't he? In the Bible. Sometimes God will speak through the most unlikely people. They'll say something, you'll hear it. Long story short, my dad, I, I later led my dad to the Lord. He got saved, delivered from alcohol. He had smoked all of his life, got delivered from cigarettes, and lived for 20 years for Jesus. And you know what his favorite thing to do was? I'm about to start crying. He, he enjoyed working with alcoholics. Where he had been called out of and delivered out of, he went right back and helped him. Somebody say amen. But I went to, yes, I went to Oral Roberts University. Spent a lot of years there based on the word of an alcoholic. Amen. Because I heard God. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving 
what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.